Good morning. Let's see. Today is um, June 18th, uh, 2020. Uh, hope you guys are doing good today. We are going to pick up in Acts chapter 8, verse number 8. We'll just read verse number 7, then we'll, we'll keep going forward. Good morning, brother. Hope you're doing well. Um, Acts chapter 8, um, verse number 7. For unclean spirits crying out with, crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. I pointed out last time that... Uh, Les Feldick, who I really enjoy listening to, a couple other folks, but um, he's just very, he keeps it simple. Um, if you want details, uh, you know, he's probably not the one to go to. Um, but just getting through the text, uh, he's, uh, he's very good. He points out that Paul never addresses the issue of demonic possession. And, of course... I try to go study to make sure, and I can't find any place where Paul addresses the issue of demonic possession. Of course, I've I've heard and seen all kinds of things in my years of ministry and life, but um, um, therefore he believes that you know the only solution to demonic possession is salvation. Um, I mean, something to think about. I mean. I mean, if you think about all the exorcisms that I've ever been exposed to or ever read about are based upon the gospel accounts. And if we're in agreement that the gospel accounts have to do with the nation of Israel <laughs> and not with the body of Christ, then, you know, what, what he's saying makes sense to me. Um, and then I guess there's a big division, not a big division, but I got involved in, the, in a big division, whether or not a child of God could be possessed. Uh, I had a guy come to my church several years ago when I pastored in South Texas and very po popular gentleman. Um, but, uh, because his son was a Christian and he felt that he had been possessed, he, he began to believe that Christians could indeed be possessed by demons. Um, I never agreed with him, <laughs> uh, but he wrote a whole book about it and, um, you know, and actually started teaching, um, using the book as a textbook in one of the Baptist seminaries out in Texas. But I, I just really struggle with that. I tend to agree with less. I mean, I think, you know, someone asked me one time, did I believe there's a demon behind every bush? I said, well, no, I believe there's two. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that there is a demonic world around us. Uh, if you don't believe that, you know, turn on your news. Um, I mean, it's all over the place. Um, I believe there is a demonic world around us, you know, and the Bible talks about them. But we're talking about whether or not a child of God can be possessed by a demon. Uh, if you study demonology, you study, what is it, obsession, oppression, and possession. Um, and I believe a child of God can be oppressed, um, uh, I believe a child can be obsessed. 
but I don't believe a child of God can be possessed. So, you know, and I, I taught a study on that years ago, but that's just where I, I stand when I'm teaching through demonology or angel, angelology and systematic theology, which on the high school level is just Bible doctrines. Um, I just don't believe a child of God can be possessed. Um, but um, anyway, we have these unclean spirits here. Um, they started crying out with a loud voice. They were seeing and hearing the miracles that Philip was doing. And then verse number eight, new territory, and there was great joy in that city, but, <laughs> interesting, that, that but there, uh, when God starts working, the devil starts working, make no mistake about it. Uh, I used to tell my church, if the devil ain't working, we're probably doing something wrong. Um, because, you know, if you're doing anything in this life uh, to please God, to serve God, the devil's going to have your name at the top of his list. Uh, I told a group of pastors one time out in Texas that I doubted the devil cared what any of most of them done in their churches anyhow, um, because they really wouldn't do anything for God. <laughs> um, but when you get on, you, you start doing God's work, God's way, um, you know, I believe the devil gets busy because uh, he doesn't want you to do that. Um, I used to compare an analogy when I talked to the youth about, about a football team. You know, I mean, who do you tackle in football? The guy with the ball. You know, you don't tackle the guy that's on the sideline. You don't tackle the water boy. And, uh, and the bottom line is if you got the ball, uh, the enemy's going to come after you. Um, so there was great joy in that city, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. Uh, in these verses, uh, we're introduced to Simon the sorcerer, uh, and he was said to be the power of God. Well, um, sadly, any power that he did, did have did not come from the God of heaven, uh, but the God of this world. I think we greatly underestimate our enemy uh, today. Um, you know, I'm reminded of the the magicians in Pharaoh's court. You know, up to a point, they could do everything that Moses could do, up to a point. Now, I, I had a seminary teacher said it was all illusion, that they really wasn't duplicating what Moses did. It was It was illusion. No, I, I believe the devil does have a lot of power. Uh, and all power in this life uh, comes from either the God of heaven or the God of this world. Um, you know, um, I'm reminded of the yin and the yang. If you've ever seen that, that's that, that black, that, that circle, that one side is black and one side is white. And... You know, that it's Asian, it's oriented, you know, says that there's good and there's bad, there's there's good and there's evil, and they're constantly at opposition with each other, but one never overcomes the other. You know, and I've even seen Christians um, have this symbol, um, but it's a lie. Um, you know, I used to 
tell uh, people, I remember one time I was at this church in South Carolina and I said, when I say good, you say, you know, in the whole congregation, bad, you know. When I say right, you say left, they said, you know. And when I say black, you know, and they all said white, you know. And then I said, when I say God, you say, and they said the devil. Um, well, that's a lie. The devil is not the opposite equal of God. Um, the devil was created by God. He is not God's equal, you know, and one day God will judge him and judge him harshly. Um, you know, he'll be, you know, thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, he is not the opposite equal of God. Uh, and as children of God, we need to understand that. Our God sits alone. He alone is God. Um, so we need to be careful when we see something in the spiritual realm, if you will, that claims to be of God. Because I've been around the world enough to know that not everything that happens in the church is of God, not the God of heaven. Uh, I believe the devil is very powerful. He's very deceptive. I believe that he is preparing the world. Uh, you know, the, the Thessalonians talks about how he will come with signs and lying wonders. Um, he's perfectly capable of doing that. He's perfectly capable of uh, speaking through the mouth of a man, the Antichrist. He's perfectly capable of those things. And, I, and in many ways, I think what I refer to as the charismaniac movement uh, is preparing the world for that. And, and of course, the secular world is being prepared for that as well. So uh, then look in verse 11. And to him they had regard, speaking of Simon the sorcerer, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And when they believed Philip's preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Now notice again, this is Philip. Uh, Philip, just like Stephen, just like Peter before him, just like the apostles, as they were taught by Jesus, were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That required repentance and baptism. Peter, Philip is still preaching the kingdom gospel. Um, and notice that they believe the preaching of Philip in regards to the things concerning the kingdom of God. And this is what I, I just want to end with today. Is there a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? Um, now, some believe that the kingdom of God is referring to the whole sphere of God's influence, earth and space. Um, and on the surface, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, there is a universality, I guess, of God's kingdom. God is king over all. He rules over all. But I'm talking about in context right here, where we're talking about this, the context of what is being said here. Is it different than the kingdom of heaven? So the kingdom of heaven refers only to Christ's earthly kingdom. So in the context here, is there a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Um, I believe that they are one and the same because they are used interchangeably 
throughout the Gospels. Um, for example, in, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, just in two verses, um, two sentences spoken by our Lord, he used these two terms interchangeably. In Matthew 19, 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, verse 24, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So just in two verses there, the words kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God uh, are used interchangeably. Another interesting thing that I found in my studies is that the gospel, the other gospel writers, um, the kingdom of God is used 68 times in 10 different New Testament books. The kingdom of heaven is used only 32 times, and it is only used by Matthew. Um, only Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven uh, 32 times. And here, I'm going to throw some verses at you. Um, Mark 11, 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he is the least in the kingdom, the, the, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. But then you look in Luke chapter 7, verse number 8. Words are still read. Luke writes, For I say unto you, among those born among women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he is least, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So Matthew says kingdom of heaven. Luke says kingdom of God. Which one is it? Um, Matthew 13, 11. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you, know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. But when Mark translates that, or when he writes his account in Mark, because I understand they didn't translate, <laughs> they wrote their accounts. Mark 4.11, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to them that are without, all these things are done in parables. So, he refers to it as kingdom of God, yet Matthew refers to it as kingdom of heaven. Uh, Luke, he also gives the account, and he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto the others in parables. So clearly, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are talking about the same thing, but they're using the word kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven interchangeably. In Mark 13, 24, Another parable put he forth unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like a man which sowed seed in his field. But then we look in Mark chapter 4, verse number 26, six, he says, And he said, So the kingdom of God is that is if a man should cast seed into the ground. So again, I mean, I can keep going, bore you to infinitum there, but um, it just doesn't appear that at least in the context here in the gospels the kingdom of heaven kingdom of god are used interchangeably now again i i i i can definitely agree that when we say he's he, the kingdom you when you say the kingdom of god i mean i, I believe it can be 
can refer to the whole sphere of God's influence. Um, and then specifically the kingdom of heaven is definitely on earth. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, it's just like when you hear somebody day, say, say today I'm a child of the king. Uh, I'm a child of a king or a child of the king. I mean, well, in the generic universal kingdom of God, yeah, I guess that's true. But in the earthly spiritual kingdom, <laughs> or earthly kingdom, only the Jew is a child of the king. He was the king of the Jews. He was not the king of the Gentiles. <laughs> so anyway, you know, but I'm not going to start a, a church on kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven there. Uh, but in each case, Matthew used kingdom of heaven and the other apostles or the other gospel writers used the kingdom of God. So to, they're clearly referring to the same thing, at least in the context of the gospel. So anyway, uh, I found that interesting. Of course, I'll keep studying it uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, and then when we get together tomorrow, we'll get down into into the next set of verses there. So anyway, Scott, good to see you this morning, sir. You think they're different? Um, well, hey, let's talk about that. Uh, why don't you write down or message either way, communicate with me. Let me know how you you know believe that they are different, whether you agree or disagree um, with that. Um, I love to be challenged. Lord knows, man, I have been humbled. I told a young guy a couple weeks ago in Texas, if he'd asked me that question even three years ago, I would have had an answer for him, but now I don't. So um, definitely we are students of the word. So uh, just uh, let's talk about that because I'm definitely, um, you know, I, I nothing wrong with questioning assumptions. So, And I've just learned in my life that I've been running on a bunch of assumptions. <laughs> so anyway, God bless you. Hope you have a great day. See you later.